Ladies and gentlemen. What are you doing? What do you mean? I'm making Just keep it simple. I'm making the promo. Just keep it simple. Just say, hey, we're the Bravo Bros. Two guys that talk about Bravo. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're the Brav Bros. No. Oh. Dude, stop with the voice. Just the vo- keep it simple. I've seen promos on TV, dude. This is how you get the fans engaged. This is how you get listeners. We're trying to get listeners here. If we just say, oh, we're two dudes that talk about Bravo, people are going to get tired of it already. We need some oomph. All right, then fine. Let's try to do it with your voice. Brav Bros. Good job. Welcome to Passionate World Talk Radio. Educate, enlighten, entertain. Hello, everybody. This is Betsy Wurzel, your host of Chatting with Betsy and Passionate World Talk Radio, where our mantra is to educate, enlighten, and entertain. The views of the guests may not represent those of the host of the station. Folks, I can't believe it's June, and I have two public service announcements. One is June is Alzheimer's and Brain Awareness Month. And if anyone listens to me long enough, you know that I talk about Alzheimer's and brain awareness all year long. And the second announcement is June is also Gay Pride Month. And I want everyone in the LGBTQ plus community to know that they are looking for a support group. They are a caregiver. You are welcome to my support group, hashtag kick. Alzheimer's Ass Movement on Facebook. Alzheimer's doesn't discriminate, and neither do I. And that's my public service announcements. Folks, I am so honored and blessed to have with me my very special guest, dear, lovely person who I love and admire. (laughs) Welcome. (laughs) Multi-talented. Thank you. I am with me today, Cherie. Kerr, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, Cherie. Yes, you are. Very few people do, but thank you. Uh, you're welcome. CEO of Cherie Kerr Public Relations. She is author of Charlie's Notes, a memoir. She is also creator, founder, and artistic director for Orange County Crazies. Cherie is a writer, performer, and director, a founding member of the world-famous L.A. Grand- Groundlings. There, I got it out. (laughs) Uh, Very busy lady. She also wrote two other books, Death by PowerPoint, How to Avoid Killing Your Presentation and Sucking the Life Out of Your Audience. And the second book, I've asked Miller to say a few words. Those are available on Amazon.com. And Cherie also has a business called ExecuProv. I hope I'm saying that name correctly. Now, I want to welcome Cherie Kerr to Chatting with Betsy. Welcome, Cherie. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Betsy. Oh, my, my privilege, and I'm so glad you were able to come on my show because I know you're extremely busy. Cherie, I loved your book, Charlie's Notes, oh, and I want to tell you. the audience this book you will laugh, you will cry. It is so heart-touching. You go in such detail about your family. It's very touching. And I'm into book covers. And on your book cover, your dad, by the way, is a very handsome man and a yes, good-looking as a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the music notes. You have a picture of your dad as a young boy holding his violin. Violin. 
correct? And a picture of him when he's older, and I just uh, love it. And I'm going to ask you what I ask all my uh, authors, and that is what motivated you to write Charlie's Notes? Well, it's kind of a long story. Uh, A very close friend of mine, Gus Lee, I don't know if you know Gus, he's the author of China Boy, and he wanted his children to, his family migrated to San Francisco from China, and he wanted them to know the family history. And he was actually a businessman. He's a lawyer and, and was, um, worked for the State Bar of California. But he felt compelled to write this book about the migration of his family so his children would know their history because it was very unique. And it turned out to be a bestseller. It's one of the best-selling books, I guess, on the top 100 list of great American pieces of literature. So we're good friends. And he knew about my father, that my father had a pretty interesting life, and, um, and that my background was mixed as well. I was half Italian and my mother Scotch and English, and said, you ought to do something like that you know, at some point. And then my father had kept a notebook of all the famous people he worked with in films, um, private parties where he played. He played the upright string bass ultimately, after the violin and then the guitar and then the string bass. And he would take notes, and he had this little diary of dates and when he played with them and different things that happened. And he said, someday I want to write a book about all this. And as he prepared to possibly get going on that, he was stricken with Alzheimer's, and he was never able to write the book. And I thought, you know, I've got to tell this story because it's it's a – kind of an Angela Ash, Angela's Ashes kind of piece. And, um, it, and I was learning more about my grandparents on, on his side and just the whole family and the dynamic and his rise to um, being a prominent musician and all. And I thought, somebody's got to tell this story, and he's not going to now, so I have to take up the charge. So I think it was that coupled with the fact that he was so precious to me and I, I was losing him, and it was a, a long eight-year battle with Alzheimer's, which is very painful, as, as you know, Betsy. And it was my way to grieve. It was my way to mourn losing a piece of him every week, pretty much, to the point where he really didn't know who I was at the end. So it was cathartic, and it was therapeutic, and I just thought it was a great story, and I... And I my goal is to be able to make it into a film eventually, but it, being a period piece is very expensive to do. But I think it's I think it, it, it's a great story too. If I wasn't related to Charlie, I still think it would have been a good story. And thanks for your kind words about it. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. It is a great story, Sheree. One of the my many passions is to make sure people know that. Alzheimer's is real. It's not just memory loss. I think we need to personalize it, putting a face and a name out there. Mm -hmm. And your book does that. Your book honors your dad's memory. And actually, I'm going to get foot clumped. I like to dedicate this show to your dad. Oh, thank you. Um, Oh, he would be so honored. Thank you. It is really a phenomenal story. Your dad grew up in uh, pretty poor. Yes. I mean, we read the book like a long time ago, and um, 
you know, coming. His parents came from Italy, and strive, except your mom didn't. Did your your mom didn't come from Italy? No, my mom. Your grandparents. Um, that's what getting came confused. From Canada. Yeah, they were. Well, my grandmother on my mother's side was from Aberdeen, Scotland, and my grandfather on my mother's side was from Sheffield. England, and they migrated to Canada, to Niagara Falls, Canada. And my father was from the Niagara Falls, American side of the falls. And just to read how your dad's family uh, struggled, it's a great period piece for people to even learn you know, American history. Yeah. And I also feel that your dad, uh, rise to fame, was slow but he he got there and I want people to know just how talented your dad was I and mean, he partied with Judy Garland if I remember mm-hmm. um, the um, Lucy Presley, Frank Sinatra yes the yeah. Phil Ball uh-huh. Nez. Um, <laughs> that I read the book a while ago my I know, my mind goes blank <laughs> sometimes George- Global. I mean, he has so many wonderful stories. Some of the names that some many of your listeners may not know, but Sonia Henney, she was a famous figure skater, if you remember. Yes. Um, Howard Hughes, I know he played a party at his house. There, there was, you know, a lot of um, famous people in the 50s and 60s mostly, who, and that was the era when he was doing a lot of private parties and films. And we would have such a blast on Sunday morning. Those were obviously on Saturday nights mostly. And Sunday morning at the kitchen table was my mother and my sister and I sitting there listening to my dad kind of run down the evening. Of course, it was all done in strict confidence. We were not to talk about anything that he he told us about the parties. But it was so much fun, and we just couldn't wait. I think it was... Um Kind of, I, I see humor. I have a sense of dark humor for some. Mm-hmm. It comes with so many years of caregiving. That's your yeah. that's grandmother your for sanity. Yes, keep yes. the humor. Absolutely. Yes, yes, definitely. Your dad's mom knew that your dad Charlie was very talented, and was yes. hoping that he would support her in her older years, and she was right. mad. When your dad got married. Yes, and, and then when he moved to the West Coast, that was it. I mean, she lost it. She totally lost it. But she had, interestingly, Francesca was her name, Francesca Ferraro. She had come from uh, Mount Vesuvius area, the Naples area. Her father was a milliner, and he also made original shoes, and they were just gorgeous. And th- her whole family was doctors and teachers and very prominent but she thought she was going to have a better life if she came to america and so her brother had done that and she decided to set sail with a family friend and and come here and find a you know a really rich husband and live like mary astor but it never turned out that way it was really quite sad and she was um you know had a lot of kids and constantly pregnant and they didn't have any money my grandfather i think if you recall owned a little tailor shop that was so modest beautiful clothes beautiful fabrics but the floor was made of dirt they didn't even have anything for the floor honestly so really interesting 
story about you know the American dream and and what I think what's interesting about the book, at least I think about the story, is it's not a book about a, a famous person whose household name you know that you would know and and read about. It's 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 a a story about just human life and how people have that dream and how they come and you know to America or they do whatever they do and they get there partially. They never make it huge, but they still have great talent and they still have a lot to share and they still have a pretty interesting life because of it. And that was my dad. You know, he I think he was on the crest of fame, but a lot of things precluded that from happening along the way. But yes, he was incredibly gifted. He was not only a great musician, he could have gone on to be a really good actor. He certainly had the looks and the charm, and he was funny. He was one of the funniest people I have ever known. He just loved to be silly and have fun, and there was always that, that vibe of humor and music and love in our house. So I, I, I'm very grateful. It, it is a, a beautiful story, and I like how you wrote about your dad's um, family history because people nowadays don't, uh, the young people nowadays don't realize the struggles that people faced, you know, coming here, working hard to get um, everything that they, you know, needed or wanted and how their children had to work for what they had and abuse was um, very common but not talked about. And your poor aunt, who got got abused, um, awful, that I felt so bad uh, for your aunt. I um, I did too. I loved her. She She was kooky, and she was a little offbeat. I mean, everybody made fun of her as you read the book and tried to make her. Yes sane and everything but she was brilliant in fact it was my aunt mary who sat with me for three days with a a video tape recorder and gave me all the history she knew dates and times and events and details of things that happened in the family so she gave me a lot of the background for the book and then my uncle joe who was also a brilliant musician and an artist who you read about in the book he and his wife also gave me a lot of notes. So all the siblings except for Jenny and Ida, the younger ones, gave me you know, all the blanks to fill in in the childhood, and it was interesting. But when the book was finished, my Aunt Ida wouldn't speak to me for several years because she was very upset at how I portrayed my grandmother in the book. And I kept trying to explain to her, I didn't, this is not fictive. I didn't make this up. These are from notes that I was given from family, and I had to trust that obviously they were telling me the truth. So sometimes I want to caution everyone, and I know Gus Lee went through that a little bit too on his book. You have to be careful how you write these family stories because inevitably somebody's going to get upset or they're going to see it you know, differently. Yes, yes, uh, they will get upset, and, you know, it's really – um, funny in a way because, you know, if you have four children in a family, like say my family, we had, there was right. four children, each one sees our mother or father in a different way. Oh, yeah. 
Exactly. I think all of us have a different experience of of our siblings and our, our parents, you know, as we're growing up. And, uh, you know, my, my um, I know in, in our family, my father, I, I was just enamored by his talent and his humor and everything. So, and I clashed with my mother as a kid. But when I got older, I came into my mother. You know, she she was my hero at the end of the day. But I think everyone who, again, like you say, uh, grows up with someone, you really do have a different point of view than others might. And I don't think Jenny and Ida were the younger siblings in the family, and I don't think they went through as much as the older siblings did. You know, they saw they saw things very differently. So, yes. and again, I went from their notes. I went from everybody I could interview that mostly in the family and then those who kind of knew them peripherally through music or whatever to get the story because I knew a lot of it, but I didn't know all of it. And that was something else that I thought was so fun to do. And it took me, as I said, eight years to write that book, but I wasn't doing it every day. You know, I would work weekends and nights on it. Um, But you don't really begin to appreciate the sacrifices that your ancestors made to um, to come here and to start a life here, and I'm just eternally grateful, you know, to all of them for having migrated, I guess, to the United States and made my life and my success possible. And I think it's a good exercise for everyone to do to reach back and and take, you know, take a look at where they came from. Yes, yes, that's true. I used to tell my grandmother, she would tell me stories of fleeing Europe. And I said, oh, Grandma, too bad. You know, your your story would make a great movie, a great, great movie. Uh, love right. novel. Sure. Yes, um, definitely for sure. What would you like the audience to to know and to remember about your dad? I know he was talented, handsome. He was a great father great husband. What else would you like them to know? Yeah, he, he just, um, he cared so much uh, about peace in the world. Uh, he cared about um, people being able to reach their potential artistically. And he was just a kind, gentle soul. I mean, truly the, the persona of an artiste, you know, somebody who had no patience for fighting or arguing or war or anything. He just he just wanted to create. He wanted to be around creative people and I think make a difference. You know, he cared a lot about animals. He cared uh, loved babies and little kids. He was just a very gentle soul and somebody I I think I observed a lot just his whole gentle approach. He was the most gentle person I think I've ever known. And not in an effeminate way. Um, it, it was just a, a certain um, certain grace about him that fascinated me. I feel through your story, Cherie, that your dad, even when he was famous, he was humble. He was grounded. He still, um, you know, it must have been tough on your parents' marriage, your dad traveling, and they you know, stay together, and he was, the story, how you wrote about your dad, I thought that he was a very humble man, he and was. always helping people, giving people a, a break, 
mm-hmm. know, helping people connect to other people right. and very generous man. And um, I, I just, that's how I perceived that's your dad. Yeah, he, he was yes. very much that way. In fact, I think in being in show business, you know, in that world, in the music world or whatever, the one thing that I think he was lacking, not as a criticism of him, but that he didn't have the drive or the claw your way to the top personality, you know, to, to really reach huge heights. He was always more about um, stepping aside, as you say, and helping to lift, you know, some a struggling musician or somebody he was teaching or around. And sometimes the, the lack of... Um, drive to really push super hard leaves a lot of great artists like my dad sort of in the wings. And I, I, I wish that he had pushed a little harder, but he, that really wasn't important to him. What was important to him was his music more than anything and his family. And I think that was, that was just a really good lesson for me um, to, to say, you know, yeah, this is how you live your life. If, if you're lucky enough to get the kind of breaks that a lot of people do. Like one of his, his great friends from the falls, Tommy Tedesco, just a huge studio musician. He's on every soundtrack for every television and film thing, I think from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, whatever. Great family friend, a wonderful guy. He's no longer with us. But my dad gave him his first job when he came from the falls to L.A., in his music store to teach guitar lessons. And then Tommy went on to become a highly paid, highly regarded studio musician. And my dad was every bit as good as he was, but Tommy had the drive. He had the uh, knew how to work his way into the system, if you will. And, and, and he was very grateful always to my father, very kind to all of us. In fact, I used to write lyrics for Tommy. But... Yeah, my my dad was more about kindness than um, stardom. And again, that's that's a very humbling lesson to take with you for me to realize it's it's not about the fame. It's more about the journey and what you do. Yeah, and and your your dad. It took a long time for your dad to become well known and famous. And the fact that it didn't, you know, get to his head and, you know, he, I feel that he raised um, you and your sister in a, still in like a very humble way, mm-hmm. you know, not to yes, think that did. you were better, you know, than the other people. Exactly. And I, you know, that stems from um, when they came here, of course, they lived in very meager housing and, and so on. And even when he went to high school, he went to a Catholic high school, he was the only what you would call immigrant alien child in that school. Everybody else was very Irish, uh, Scotch, uh, Anglo type, and he was the only Italian that attended that school. And I think sometimes, and I don't know, maybe it's just in that era, but you, you see it all over even today from people coming from other countries, there's something that you're instilled with in terms of humility to realize that um, even if if you go beyond the watermark of where you want to be, you never look down on the little guy when you come from a place, a a childhood like Charlie, 
you know, I don't think he ever forgot his roots or, or you know, left left them aside and thought, well, that doesn't mean anything anymore. I think he always remembered what it was like to be um, bullied in school, um, you know, just kind of passed over. I, there was one chapter in the book that is one of my favorites where he invited somebody to go to the to the ball it was called but it's like our prom or something and then he went to go pick her up and when her father came to the door to let my dad in and realized he was Italian he wouldn't let his daughter go to the ball with him and then in the book you know he went back to the house and everybody was upset and it's a very tender part of the book it make a beautiful scene in a film but I think he was very aware of how blessed he was to be in certain circles where there was no prejudice, there was no bigotry. We didn't have that in our house. That's, that's why when we talk about um, racism and things like that today, that's so alien to me because even growing up as a kid in the late 40s, early 50s, we didn't have that in our house. We had musicians there jamming every Sunday. People bring a potluck and Everybody came from every ethnicity you could think of. Great musicians to jam together. So I think I think that was really important to him that he was aware that existed, but that he, you know, would would never have thought, well, I'm lucky now. I've I've made it to a certain plateau. I mean, he was never really famous, but he was well regarded by other musicians in in the jazz industry, especially. But that he never took that for granted or he always appreciated what it was like for the the kid who couldn't speak English. Uh, as you know, my dad couldn't for a long time in school. Um, so I, th- I think that that's, that's something that always impressed me about him was that he had great reverence for, for you know, his, his family and where they came from. And the fact that they didn't have what other kids had, but they always welcomed people along the way that came from indigent backgrounds as well. And that really stuck with me. Oh, that's beautiful. I I remember that chapter and your dad, you know, being um, bullied, the prejudice. Can you tell the audience what your dad's original name is? He Americanized it to Charlie, but... Yes. Yeah, his his real name was Carlo Riscotti Di Pietro, and he and then he changed his name to Charlie. All the kids changed their uh, they all had different uh, Italian names, and they changed them all to English names. Um, Giuseppe became Joseph, uh, Luigi became Louis, and Maria Concetta. That's my aunt, who I absolutely adored, the one who was so abused. She changed changed her name to Mary. So that you know again trying to be trying so hard to be American, you know, making sure they fit in. So they all changed their names and it was like a you know, a big deal in that house. They all got real excited when the I, Eugene, my my grandfather, Eugenio was his name, decided they were all gonna have American names. And I remember yeah. Mary telling me that story and it was very poignant to me. Yes, that's what they did. Especially when they came off on, onto Ellis Island, they yeah. changed people's names. Um, sometimes 
to fit their occupation or the area they were from. Right. Sheree, I know you're pressed for time, and I just want to thank you for coming on Shining with Betsy. Um, Your dad's life is amazing. I want people to know, you know, here was a man, talented, a wonderful man, talented, and into music and Alzheimer's, unfortunately, struck him, and um, he was placed in care, and sometimes we do have to place our loved ones in care, and that is okay. I want people to know that it is okay. We can't always take care of our loved ones at home. And Alzheimer's, you know, it doesn't discriminate who you are, what you are, and we need to personalize this disease. I want to encourage the audience, get this book. It's it's a... One book, it's powerful, it is so intense and raw, and, and it's real. It's a real, just um, inspiring, emotional book, and I highly recommend it. I loved reading the book. Oh, and, um, I'm so glad you enjoyed it. It was, it was great. I'm so glad that I met you. Oh, <laughs> and uh, I. Thank you. You are so terrific, and it's, it's such a bright light, I think, probably for everyone. I know you sure are for me, and I'm very oh, grateful. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you so much. I'd love to have you come on again maybe sometime next year and talk about your business because you sure. are just like, folks, she's amazingly talented. I, Google, Google Sheree, S-H-E-R-I-E, Kerr, K-E-R-R, Google Cherie, and just see how amazing she is and how talented she is. Um, Because because, uh, you are, and I want to thank you for taking the time of your busy day uh, to spend with me. I appreciate it so much. Oh, thank you, Betsy. Thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure and letting me talk about that book. It's um, I miss my dad every day and my mom too, and. it's just wonderful to have have something of him still with me, and that's how I feel about the book. Yes, yes, and it's a, really it's an honor. Uh, it's honoring your dad's life. And the name of the book, folks, is Charlie's Notes, a Memoir, a True American Story, and I really recommend that. And you know what, Sheree, I tell folks, we always will love and miss our loved ones, mm-hmm. always. And, you know, there is a um, website, too, Betsy, for the book, charliesnotes.com. Sure. People want to read an excerpt or anything else about it before they purchase a book. They can certainly go read a little bit about it, too, if you don't mind my mentioning that. Oh, that's, that's fine. Thank you. Thank you so much. Sure. I have it down here, but I forgot. <laughs> so no, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> thank you so much. Oh, what a pleasure. Good luck with everything that you do and um, definitely we'll have to make an appointment uh, for next year. And I want to thank, thank you. I want to thank you again, Sheree. You're welcome, Betsy. And thank you so much for all you do and, and also the attention that you bring to Alzheimer's. You're absolutely right. It's so important. It's a very demanding thing on any caregivers, whether your loved one is in a home or at home with you, which is almost impossible to care for someone like that. They need 24-hour care. And it's just, it's a very hard thing to watch, as we both know, somebody who is so vibrant and vital and then gradually diminish 
It's a very hard thing to do, and people do need support, and they do need to hang together, and we all need to contribute to research so we can see if we can stop this crazy thing. Yes, yes, I totally agree. Well, thank you, Cherie. I say it takes a village uh, to support a caregiver. Yes. It takes um, a team, and I highly recommend for people to plan in advance and find a team to help support you as you take care of your loved one. Right. And it's okay to ask for help. Absolutely. It's okay. We can't do it alone. I, no, and people, we also you know, need to get somebody to fill up our tank too and someone to be there to, right. to talk to and, and help us process that sadness that you, that you go through when suddenly you you go to your loved one and, and they look at you with this vapid look because they don't know who you are. When yes. for your whole life you remember how adoringly they looked at you. Those things are really hard to deal with, and I think we all need some kind of counseling or support group or something to wade our way through that tough time because it is very hard. Yes, I'm glad you brought that up, Sheree. I always highly recommend counseling. Talk to your, um, recommend the audience, talk to your health care provider. Mm-hmm. It's okay to need help. It's okay to say, I can't deal with this. I need someone to talk to. I am not ashamed to say I had counseling midway through Matt's uh, journey, and I have counseling now. And, you know, we we need it. A lot of people at some point in their life need counseling, and let's embrace that. Let's embrace the help that's that's out there. Right. Um, You know, because it is difficult it's very difficult. It's, in my opinion, well, I haven't had to deal with other diseases, but it's the most heart-wrenching a disease. It, uh, it truly watch. is because it 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 just um, first of all, for most people who have it, it's a long journey from diagnosis to when they finally succumb. So the agony of watching somebody literally deteriorate before your eyes, day after day. That, that's hard, I think, on the human spirit. And my mother died of cancer and rather quickly from diagnosis. It was a six-month diagnosis, and then she passed away, which was shocking and just horrific. But it was a lot easier than to, to watch my father just waste away, and especially, as you said, when it's somebody who's so gifted and so talented and then they, they don't even remember what a string bass is let alone to play it, um, that's hard. That's hard to watch. Yes, 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 it, it, it is. I'll never forget the last time I saw my dad. My dad also had Alzheimer's. He didn't remember his family. He didn't remember his four children. But yet, <laughs> Alzheimer's baffles me. He remembered his childhood dog. Go yeah. figure this disease out. Sure, they, the, that's what happens. They, you know, they have that long-term memory kind of thing. There's some things, that, and they come and go, you know. I mean, my dad would some days be almost lucid, and then within a couple sentences, he wasn't even making sense. So, you know, as I said, I, I have great empathy for you and all of us out there who've had to to deal with that horrible demise of a loved one because it, it is, it's really hard on the soul. You know, you don't yeah. want to see them suffer. You don't want to have them them live in agony. And I, I guess the only 
um, you know, redeeming factor is that they really don't know. And yeah. we do. And I think I think that at least we can say, well, I'm not so sure they suffered so badly because they really weren't quite aware of that they were. And that's what I cling to. You know, I think of that often and think, well, I guess it's, it's us that, that really have to bear the burden and the sadness and and all that kind of thing. But they don't know maybe, and that, maybe that's good. Maybe that's just fine. Yes. Um, I think when they get past a certain point. I know my mother-in-law knew she couldn't do things. Matt knew, but once they reached that point of they don't remember that, it's for me it was easier yet sad at the same time because I was glad they no longer were miserable right. that they remembered that they forgot how to do everything because now yeah. they don't remember that. It's, it's yeah. really a It's a very complicated disease. dynamic, isn't it? But... Yes, yes. Um, my neurologist said that it even baffles them. They can't mm-hmm. figure it out. Sure. It's just, um, it is. The brain is fascinating, and it's um, full of mystery. I call, yeah. call it the last frontier, like Alaska was. Yeah, it's no just, kidding. You know, well, I'm hopeful that they're making advances in, in venting so. or dealing with it or slowing it down the progression of it or, or whatever, but I think it's people like you, which is so terrific. You keep, you know, the request so live and, and present so that people will be aware of it at all times and do what they can, yeah. whether it's to help out at a center or donate some money, whatever any of us can do, um, you know, that's that's maybe going to get us there where we need to be. Yes, they're doing a lot of research, and I hope... Uh, a lot of clinical trials, and I hope something comes through for um, my son's generation. My son is at yeah. high risk, so I hope there is going to be something, God forbid, if he should get it. Yeah, um, well, we hope not. Yeah, anyway. I hope so, but thank you, Cherie. You're welcome, Kurt. Thank you so much for having me on. I very much enjoyed it, and, and I'll I come back anytime. You just let me know. Okay, thank you, Sheree. Okay, take care. Take care. All right. Folks, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Folks, if you missed any of this podcast, you can catch it all over again, wherever you hear your favorite podcast. It is free to subscribe to Chatting with Betsy. I'm on Spotify, Spreaker, Apple, Google, just to name a few. And I want to thank Jeannie White, station manager of Passion World Talk Radio, writes the blog, produces the show. And I want to thank Lillian Caldwell, CEO of Pesha World Talk Radio, who makes this all possible. And thank you, the listeners, for listening. Thank you for sharing. Please share to help other people. And as I always say, in a world where you can be anything, to please be kind. This is Betsy Wurzel, your host, Chatting with Betsy on Passionate World Talk Radio. Bye-bye now. Are you looking for an internet talk radio station for your podcast? Look no further. At the helm of Passionate World Talk Radio are two women that want to provide a spot for you and your podcast to be heard. There are many other places for your podcast, but PWTR has the audience. You will not be disappointed. Our station has been on the Internet for the past 
16 years. Call us for more information. 484-364-1032 or text Jeannie White, station manager at T-H-E-C-O-N-N-E-C-T-S-H-O-W at gmail.com for a podcast show details. Thank you for listening to Passionate World Talk Radio. You can listen to this program all over again by going over to https colon forward slash forward slash passionate world talk radio dot com. You can also hear it on Spotify, Spreaker, Amazon A L E X A, AMFM two four seven dot com every Tuesday evening between eight and nine PM. YouTube Facebook, Facebook Live, LinkedIn, and all the other podcast directories one can find on the Internet.